Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, author and subject of a documentary, uh, Catherine Ransom is our very, very wonderful host and any all time of year, but certainly when we get to the when we get to the holiday season, uh, nice Christian lady talking about interesting subjects and dialogue that's been going on uh, to to all of you. Uh, you usually uh, on this uh, this week you, you you would usually see a visual uh, ransom notes, but we'll see that next week. In the meanwhile, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Catherine Ransom. How are you? Well, this is a, a wonderful day. It's sort of, uh, uh, we sort of are still reflecting on Thanksgiving and how great it was to be with some family and celebrate some traditions. And now I guess we're flipping the calendar. We're into December. And I believe that some of us are beginning to think about remembering the birth of the Christ child and getting gifts for friends and sending out cards. And so we're busier than three chickens in a in a hen coop. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's for sure. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you said uh, mentioned about the Christ child, because sometimes it sounds like we forget. I think we'll get to that a little later. But uh, what, what's been on your mind lately? Well, I, I don't know. I was talking to a friend the other day, and uh, they uh, we were talking about Christmas decorations or holiday de- decorations that people put up. And I shared with him uh, that uh, I'd read on Facebook that this guy commented that he had gotten his uh, Christmas lights hung up and that he hung them up on the house across the street so that he could see them. And I thought, you know, that isn't a bad idea. We hang them on our house. We put all that work in, and then we can't see them. Hmm. Have you ever thought about hanging them on the neighbor's house? Uh, no, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. I wonder what my neighbor, if they would be offended if I, if I did that. We don't go crazy on the outside. We put up, you know, some uh, on the outside, but we, uh, you know, usually a religious message and keep Christ and Christmas and, you know, that type of thing. Um, th- those kind of sentiments. Um, sometimes a, a manger, a nativity scene, which I, we think is very important. That's a reminder also. But most of our direct decorations are on the inside. But I just wonder what my neighbor's reaction would be to that if we said, I want to decorate your house. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I probably would take this comment in jest and probably wouldn't, it, unless unless it was that there was a neighbor across the street who was elderly or was unable to get around or had a a, a very limited income. And, you know, it would be just, I hadn't even thought of this, Frank, but wouldn't that be a lovely gift to give a neighbor who is unable to come out anymore and string the lights up or put a Santa in the chimney or whatever it is that they normally would do? Um, you know, I probably would encourage our audience, stop and think, is there a neighbor within sight of you who could really appreciate just a little helping hand? And I know I often think of that way, but that's just the way I go. But one of the things that my friend and I were talking when we were talking about Christmas decorations, his comment was he thought that as he drove around, there were many fewer outdoor lighting 
exhibits than we've had in the past. Have you had any sense of that when you've driven around? Well, you know, I, I, I was driving around this morning. I thought that same exact thought that the there is so much less Christmas. I don't want to say Christmas spirit because you, you, you can't look inside someone's heart and, and know how they feel or their, uh, their minds. But there does seem to be less enthusiastic, um, uh, I, I don't know, participants in putting out lights. And I, I was driving by, and I couldn't. I, I it, it took me a very long time before I, uh, before I saw anybody that had anything out there. Very, very little. I guess it's a lot of work. Maybe the economy's not doing well. Uh, what, what do you, what do you give for a reason? Or do we, or as we grow older, do people just get tired of putting them up? Uh, I know we downsized a bit at our house uh, the last two or three years when we were still living on the lake. We uh, here at Concordia, we went to the, the the fifty cent store and found a string of white lights of, of that cost us two whole dollars, and we have them strung out on the balcony railing, and that's the extent of our exterior. We do have a little shelf outside of our apartment door here in the complex, and most people do some kind of a little display on that. So we dug into our old. Uh, Christmas uh, decorations and we had saved a few and we had two little teensy weeny uh, probably about an inch high sets of nativity one set was bought in Mexico and one set was bought I've forgotten where uh, some other place just darling little things and then we had a, uh, a slightly bigger unit that was on a platform and had a little main a little shed over the top of the manger and we set them out there with some red berries and they really look really quite lovely i mean my housemate put them together and it's quite elegant but i do know that i made up a silly i said to somebody if you come and look at our exhibit you will find that mary had gave birth to triplets <laughs> I don't think she really did, but with, if you just if you just looked at our little exhibit, why there they are, the three little babies in three different little creches. <laughs> one for each did wise you, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, you you do know, Frank, and I hadn't planned to talk about this, but you do know that probably uh, when we put the wise men right beside the creche, that that probably really is not what happened. It probably was two or three years later when Jesus was a, quote, a young child, that the wise men had had enough time to uh, interpret the, the sky and the stars and to put together the fact that they needed to make a, a rather long trip to go find the Christ child. And uh, we often see the wise men almost on top of the, 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 the baby in the manger. And the baby was a young child, uh, maybe two, maybe three years old, when, when that piece of, of, of biblical history indeed happened. There certainly were wise men, but we sort of scrunched the timeline down. And so some of your audience might want to rethink, where do I want to put the wise men? We used to have wise men, and we would sort of set them quite a ways apart from where the rest of the nativity scene was. Yeah. And we don't have, 
but it's just it's just fun. It's no big deal. Um, did, did you celebrate Santa Claus at your home when your kids were growing up, or was that a no no? No, we we did. I you know as as kids uh, we we heard about Santa Claus uh, for a short period of time. After a little while, I think someone said, "Hey." Um, you know, there's no Santa Claus, and then once the parents, uh, they, you know, my my mom and dad both thought it was a, uh, it, you know, it was fun when we were younger. But I, I for one, I, this sounds horrible, but I for one, with our four children, my wife and I, uh, mine, uh, our four children, I couldn't wait till we stopped celebrating Santa Claus because I. You know, and again, it sounds terrible me saying this, but it felt like a lie, and it felt like uh, we were giving them the wrong thought for Christmas. That you know that this was about Christ, and and we tried to we tried to make that clear to our children that it was about it was about Christ. It wasn't about some jolly man coming down. But you know, again, you don't want to be spoil sports and and whatever. So when they. When they started questioning it, we, we immediately told them. And then, you know, of course, the older ones would tell the younger ones and, and so forth. Uh, but that, that's my thought on Santa Claus. And I'm not anti-Santa, so I don't want people to get mad at me for, for sounding like a Scrooge or whatever. But, it, look, it's, it's about Christ. Christmas is about the birth of Christ. One of the, one of the downsides some people have is that it— it's really the parents are showing their love by buying the gift as opposed to translating it to somebody else. And so it is sort of nice when you suddenly can acknowledge that this is a gift from mom or dad or whomever, as opposed to some anonymous man that you sent a letter to and hope it got there and, you know, all of that. But I've gone through all stages of what I think about Santa Claus as a part of the holiday season and I worried that people will that young children will get Santa mixed up with the Lord and uh, if Santa isn't to be believed then why should I believe that there's really Christ child Uh, so it gets it gets just a a little bit confused there but the other day uh, this past week I guess actually I was reading something, and I was re-reminded, and I knew this, but I was just re-reminded that the first Santa was really St. Nicholas and a part of the Catholic Church. And so it really started out, the whole concept started out as a piece of uh, the worship service in in the church where St. Nicholas was a part of. And so I guess maybe we just need to emphasize that a wee bit more than the fat jolly guy with with whiskers and uh, a reindeer with a red nose right right i'm with you 100 percent on on all of that um you know i think the image of and not to sidetrack here but the image of of santa claus as we know it i think started with coca-cola is that right was it like Coca? oh i don't know that could be yeah but go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you're probably right. How did you know what your kids really wanted for Christmas? Uh, they would tell us. You know, they would tell us, and if they didn't, we would try to. We'd try to ask them. You know, and, and we never did the list. Can you make a list for Santa? I can't remember us doing that. Uh, do, 
Can I ask you, did you celebrate Santa Claus as a child? Yes, low-key, but we back in those days, Christmas was pretty low-key, period, because although we were not poor, we had not very much money. I mean, you know, we were, we were blessed over a lot of people, but we didn't have a lot, so Christmas were very simple. <clears throat> we did indeed have the, the stocking. And it usually had a piece of fruit, that traditional piece, and then there would be some small item that was in it, and then we would have a, a Christmas gift too. Uh, and we we had we traveled a lot, but one of the few pieces of furniture that we carried around was a, a child-sized little folding red table uh, with a little red chair. And I had that little red chair for years. I didn't have the little folding table, but we would set that little table up, or I guess my parents would set it up and as the Eve, Christmas Eve arrived, and we would put cookies and milk, traditional cookies and milk on that, and uh, set the chair there, and then we'd go to bed, and sure enough, the cookies and milk were gone, and there was something in the stockings that were hanging, often not at a fireplace, because many times we didn't have a fireplace, but we could still have a stocking. So we, we did it, but my folks didn't make a giant thing out of it, and I don't remember remembering about him or not remembering. I don't know when that changed in my life, but I do know that one of the great parts of the holiday is the giving of gifts, if we can keep it in the right perspective. And as I was thinking about that and doing some preparation for a lesson I'm going to teach I thought, you know, one of the challenges I'd like to send both to my friends who are here in Springfield, but to our listening audience, is that don't stop giving gifts to your family and your and your friends, but this is a good time to stop each day. I'm trying to encourage people, each day between now and the 25th, either you or your family together, think about what is one of the gifts that God has also promised us. That doesn't say we shouldn't give gifts to our family. But we need to remember that every day, he's giving us gifts. And I just would remind our audience, of, as I started this list for myself, for Catherine, I, looked, I thought of and I looked up, I had to use a concordance to sort of help jog my mind. But Joshua, in the Old Testament, reminded us, of a verse that I'm going to read here. It's not long. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now just think about that, Frank, for a minute. Wherever you go and you travel a ton, even if you don't travel around the state or the United States, we all go out everywhere. We sometimes stumble on stairs. We sometimes get in pickles. We sometimes have disturbances on airplanes. We sometimes have a conflict with family members. All these, but there's always that friend that's with you to at least acknowledge that I still care for you even if you're having a problem. And we remember that the Lord had a few problems, including being crucified, but his father was always with him. So... I would like to encourage our audience to stop and think, what are the gifts 
What are the promises that the Lord has said to you and to me and to all of his followers? And I'm going to mention three more to sort of prime the pump and then encourage people to grab a sheet of paper, take it to the, the uh, refrigerator because it's a nice flat wall, and when your family is gathered for breakfast, say, okay, what's one thing that we know that the Lord gave, has promised us? And it might be today the father thinks of it, and the next day the mother, and the next day one of the kids. And we take turns of thinking, oh, what are we thankful? For one, in Psalms 121, we read the promise that I am watching over you. It's not only wherever you go, I'm watching over you. Just think. Isn't that what a parent does when they have a little kid and they let them put them down on the floor and they let them crawl? But who's sitting there in the chair watching almost every motion because they don't want them to get in the fireplace? They don't want them to run into the table? They don't want the dog to chew off their le- Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> I know it's sort of crazy. But that's one of the promises. Number two, this is one that During the holiday season, we sometimes get a little frustrated. Uh, Schedules get panicky. We have too much to do. Sometimes that results in some illnesses. Some of our family is getting old. All of those kind of things, we're stressed. And in Isaiah, again, 51st chapter, he says, I am here to comfort you. That's more than watching over you. That's putting his loving arms around you, Frank. Just think about a hug when you have a friend who's really just experienced death. Or think about the time you give your young child a kiss on the forehead when they fall and have an owie, as we used to say at our house. Uh, He's there. You need a little comfort. That's what parents are for. That's what friends are for. And that's what the Lord is for. And I think of the time when Paul was in prison He knew that the Lord was there, even though he was cold and he didn't have as much food as he needed and his friends weren't with him. He had the best friend in the world. Or third, third promise, go in peace. He promises and tells us that we need to go and do it peacefully. And that's such a comforting thought during this hectic moment. Well, anyway... I don't know if anybody will ever do it, Frank, but I, I know I'm having sort of an enjoyable time. I had a little computer uh, on a piece of paper stuck to my computer, and that's where I'm adding, that's where I'm adding mine each day, and, and I'm finding it sort of a thoughtful way to remember the Lord. Amazing. Yeah, wonderful. Just a wonderful uh, way to look at it and remind us of what's really important. But, uh, you know, I, I love the, the analogy there. A parent uh, watches, I, I mean, it's the perfect analogy. A parent watches over a child constantly. And, you know, our father watches over us. The Lord watches over us no matter when, no matter how old we are, no matter where we are. It's, it's like having a, having a parent with you at all times. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's 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 an amazing way to look at it, and and it's absolutely it's right on. Well, 
I think we, and that's probably one reason we call him our father, as one of his names, because he is doing that fatherly responsibility that he encourages earthly fathers to do. Uh, they need to be as caring and as compassionate and as worried about their children, just as the Lord is compassionate and worried about his children here on earth. It's, uh, you know, it's the perfect analogy. Started, started moving into another phase of the home. We all come together, and hopefully most people have someone with whom to share part of the holiday season with, uh, whether it's over a dinner, whether it's at Hanukkah, whether it's in a, in a restaurant as friends gather together and not at their home, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a Zooming session. But it seems like sometimes... When I'm with people that I am quite often, and we do eat downstairs in in the dining room here at Concordia most nights, and we're with people sometimes at two or three times in the in in a relatively short amount of time, and the the conversation gets a little bit thin. Um, I don't know if thin means anything to you, but. If I say to you, do you have sort of thin conversation, what comes to your mind? Small talk or uh, kind of cheap talk, gossip, maybe thin, you know, it would be gossip, maybe. Um, I don't know, what What do you have in mind? Well, I think that's part of it, or, or you know, or it's uh, what's the weather like today, or did you realize that the, the Cubbies beat the Cardinals last week or, or yesterday, or... Uh, you know, where are you going to go for Christmas? And, and they're all they're, they're perfectly perfect topics. There's nothing wrong with them. But, you know, don't you once in a while just want to have a little more serious discussion? And it, 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 it's just sort of, you don't want to pry in somebody's life, but just, just to think a little bit. Well, this list came across to me the other day about possible topics for encouraging a little more serious conversation. So that, I, I, you don't have to respond to it, but just you can begin to think of any of these, yeah. something that you could use with your family or friends. Given the choice of anybody in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Uh, alive or dead? Yeah, don't you don't you think that might be, and why, and why would you, you know, why would you want to have them? And I don't know. I hadn't really thought. I would love, probably not by name because I don't know, but I would really love to have um, probably some. Well, I don't know whether I want a political figure. I think I do because I sort of like to talk politics just a bit in a friendly environment, right. uh, and I think that would be fun. I love to have as a dinner guest, and I had just a couple of five or six days ago, a missionary friend and her husband who were here from um, Prague, and we had lunch together, and we didn't just discuss the weather, we, we discussed their work and in the mission field and the challenges they were having and how do they raise money, and they had just purchased a new, or leased, I guess, not purchased a new building because they have a Christian library in which they invite 
the native people from Prague or the 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 the, 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 the Pragians. Do you call them Pragians? I don't know. Anyway, the people who live in Prague, they coined a new word, and they come in and they can check out books. They can uh, practice their English. They can have some lessons. They have children's stuff. Well, you know, we had a a pretty serious discussion. And so I thought, oh yeah, that I, I was I was delighted to be invited to have a lunch with them. Or this was another one that was on their list. What what would constitute a perfect day for you, Frank? If you had the perfect day, what what would that be? Ah, that's interesting. These are thought-provoking questions. This isn't this isn't cheap talk. This isn't thin talk. These are thought-provoking questions, right? That, yes, and you know, I, I I I think if you are careful with them, they won't be prying. And number two, you don't have to mandate every guest to respond. But you know, it might be fun to know what Aunt Jennifer really feels as the perfect day is the perfect day for her not to have to take any medicine or it's the perfect day for her that her nephew came by and took her for a drive around the, co- the community including dropping by the cemetery to see where her husband was it's the perfect day by a teenager to be able to not have to get up until 2 in the afternoon and not have to go to bed until 2 in the morning and it, you know what? 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 It gives you clues about the person, and then maybe you can even make their life a little happier if you're a parent or you're a friend. If they say, "Oh, the perfect day is if I can just go to Bella Milano's Italian restaurant and have a meal," so I stash that little idea back in my head, and the next time I want to celebrate her birthday, guess where we might go? Yeah. The Bella Milano's, which is an Italian restaurant that's really good here in town, and we were there a couple of nights ago. Or I'll share I'll share one more with you. Yeah. For what in your life do you feel most grateful? And if you suddenly were at the dinner table, and I asked that question, what would be the first thing that would pop into your head? What would be the what would make you feel? most grateful and I could see where it might be one a couple of things sort of almost weighing the same but what would pop in your head well you know maybe it's because we're in the mode of the show but I, I'm I'm thankful for everything that uh, that is is in front of us everything the Lord has given us and whether it's nature whether it's uh, our family it's our the ability to love uh, my friends and family it's it's every, life. I'm I'm grateful for life, and that encompasses a lot of different things. I'm I'm grateful that I'm here, that I can experience all this, anything. Just enjoying little things, enjoying uh, our conversations, enjoying other conversations that I had. The, the uh, I'm grateful for those those things that we don't uh, that we that. We get to expand our mind on, and and not just uh, being here, going through rote uh, information constantly, but to expand our minds. I have a lot of things that uh, that I would, if I had to pick one thing, I, I would just say to sum it up: life. I'm I'm grateful to be alive. 
And, and I think that's good. You, you know, I think that question, for example, could really be answered by almost, well, not by a one- or two-year-old, but uh, if you sort of describe what perfect was, I think even a four- or five-year-old would say, what really makes a good day for you? You might have to change the word perfect. You can have somebody that's old. You can have someone that's visiting you. And and I wouldn't do this if there's just two of you, probably. You could probably get as deep as you want with just two. But I'm really thinking of sort of around the fireplace and or dinner table kind of conversation. But teens, you know, what's the perfect day for you? I'm not yelled at by my teacher. Uh, a six-year-old, hey, I got to go roller skating. That's a perfect kind of day for me. And it'll change. You know, even if you ask it three days later, some people would have had something else. But you just get a little inside of the head. And then I thought of one. Could I come up with a non-trying but, uh, but a sensible sort of religious discussion that I would really, really like, and I would really like to have this one, if you want to know the truth, with my own family at, Christ, at Christmas. Yeah. If you see a new person standing or sitting down alone at church or in the Bible school class or in a, a religious event, so you know that there's some some connection to the church, what could you do if you see them standing alone, especially if you don't think you've ever seen them before and that maybe they're a first-time visitor, but maybe they're just constantly sort of standing by themselves against the wall or over in the corner of the pew? How, what, what could you say to them? How can you connect with them? What would you do or would you try to connect? I think a great way to get uh, to that person and let the person know that you care is is to ask them to help. And, you know, at many churches, they pass around the, the collection, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the collection box or, or the collection um, uh, collectors or whatever. And you could ask them, what, what, what about to be an usher? And I'm thinking like a man, a lone man uh, being there. Ask them to help out. And the reason I say that is if you put somebody to work that is uh, that is kind of apart from the group, they feel like they're they're earning their keep, so to, so to, not that I would say it to them like that, but they, I, I believe, feel more uh, more part of it because they're they're helping. And, uh, and and it's it's a quick way to get somebody involved is is by asking them to to work it sounds funny but uh, the other alternative is just hey uh, can I help you in anything I know you're new here can I introduce you and that's in, that's the other alternative but uh, quite frankly I I think when you ask somebody to get involved to do some kind of chore for the church and for the uh, for the other parishioners that that makes them feel like they're they're much more part of it than if you just introduce them to a couple of people i think you're i i'm a great great believer in the uh give them a task that is very simple of which they cannot they can they don't have to be real public they if they don't quite figure it out that's no big deal but it probably doesn't take much the other day i was teaching last sunday I, again which was was great i just loved it and but I needed pencils. I deliberately handed the box of 
they were actually pins to someone who was relatively new in class and very quiet. And I said, would you mind just passing these out? It just makes a connection and she has to eyeball, uh, you know, the people that she's making sure they've all got a pen so that they, because the school teacher and me had a, a handout that they were going to need to fill in. You know, that sounds like a school teacher. The, uh, but I, I can remember one time we, we had a first time get a visitor and we suddenly needed new chairs. We needed some more chairs. The class was full. And I thought, poopy, I'm just going to ask this guy that's brand new if he would go with another person and help get some chairs. You know, he immediately had a chance to meet another person in a very informal way. He obviously, I knew, was strong enough to, you know, help carry a few chairs. And I did it deliberately as opposed to ignoring him because, oh, he's brand new. We wouldn't want to ask him to do something like that. I wanted him to begin to feel at home. When I see someone in a service, and this is more in the big, more formal service as opposed to a small class, and I see them sort of standing or coming in the door, and I've not seen them before, I deliberately will go out of my way to try and walk over to them and say, Hi, I'm Kathy. I don't think I remember your name. Is this your first time being here? I'm so glad you're here. And by that time... They're usually willing. They don't have to give me their last name. I only gave them my first. I said, you know, and if we've already met six times, I'm old and I forget. <laughs> and so, you know, they well, I've already told you three times, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and generally, they've forgotten my name. So, you know, if it happens. So I just would encourage, I think that's a, another way to sort of a, a spinoff of getting a group of people who are Christians to begin to think out loud, just like you and I are doing. How do we make brand new people to our church or our party or our class, how do we make them feel welcome? And more than just, and one of the greatest complaints you hear from people, not the only one, but one, is that I've been going to that church for six weeks and nobody has said even hello and that's that's discouraging. We have to be a little more alert to the stranger in our midst. Well, Frank, we've chit-chatted, but I've got I've got one horribly important thing to close with. I have this doggy dictionary, yeah. so you already know that it's going to be a really serious comment. <laughs> and in the doggy dictionary, there are words. And then there is a doggy dictionary definition. <clears throat> so the first one that I'm going to share is, what about thunder? What is the definition of a dog, by a dog, about thunder? Here it is. This is a signal that the world is coming to an end. Humans remain amazingly calm during thunderstorms, so it is necessary to warn them of the danger by trembling uncontrollably, panting, rolling your eyes wildly, and following at their heels. <laughs> That's great. Yep, yep. The doggies, doggies have a different definition. I'll read one more that I really like, okay? The doggies' definition of a wastebasket. This is a dog toy filled with paper, envelopes, and uh, old candy wrappers. When you get bored, 
this is the dog speaking, turn over the basket, screw the papers all over the house until your person comes home. (laughs) Uh, And then for dessert, for dessert, after you've had all that was in this basket, excuse your exercise, your claws on the corner of the couch or the chair. It will make you feel so good. (laughs) That's terrific. Those are terrific, all three of them. Isn't it amazing what some people can come up with? I could never have come up with those definitions of a doggy dictionary. But then I've never had a dog. We had cats. Yeah. No dogs. You you shared the cat dictionary, too, and there's some very good ones in there as well. It's been great to visit with you that the first week in December as we start to think about the birth of the Christ child. Have a good one. You too. Catherine Ransom, everyone. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Ransom Notes is what you've been listening to. And signing off, we'll see you all next time on Ransom Notes.